Welcome to Faithbrook Church. It's so good to be here, even though it is a rainy spring day. You know, when I first moved out here, I know the snow thing was going to happen, but I was not warned about all the rain that would happen in spring. So I'm thinking about taking a uh, taking a drain check on that and saying I might want to go back. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, just kidding. I love the rain because that's what makes everything green, and that's uh, one of the things I do love about here in Minnesota. Well, if you are a guest here with us this morning, I am so glad that you are here. In fact, I want to encourage you to reach in the seat back in front of you and to grab one of these blue connection cards. And if you would just fill this out, and at the end of the service, you turn this in to one of the giving boxes as you leave. Or for those of you who are online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Now, for every connection card that we receive, we give a donation to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way in which we hope to make a large impact in our local community. In addition, I would love to follow up with you and thank you for taking time out of the weekend to join in with us. So I look forward to connecting with you. Well, today we continue our series under the surface, and so in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. But before we do, I wanted to share something that is coming up, a sort of the save the date, if you will. Well, we all know that summer is just around the corner. If we can get through spring, summer is coming, and that means fun time at the cabin, getting away, rest and relaxation. And I can tell you that one of the best ways that we can continue to grow in our faith and grow closer to God is, yes through camping. Would you believe that? That camping can help grow our faith. So with that, I want you to save the date for August 11th through 14th. We are having our family camp. And family camp is something we have every year. It's a great opportunity to get away. It is a church family to get away and hang out together, but also a time for rest and relaxation, also rejuvenation as we hear great messages and also worship together as well. This is a fun time for the whole family. And instead of me just continuing to talk about it, why don't you check out this video? Believe it or not, summer is coming, and I'm looking forward to this place right here in those dates. It's a great time for the whole family. You get inspired, challenged spiritually, but there's a lot of a good time just to hang out, uh, laid back time, bring your kids and, and the family. Well, welcome, and uh, glad that you're here on this uh, rainy morning, and maybe you're tucked away at your house watching us online. Thanks for worshiping and viewing us today. I have a question for you. Uh, if you go back to when you was a child, or maybe even a, a junior high or something like that, do you remember what you inspired to be? What maybe your vocation or career that you were going to uh, go after? When I was a child, I was enamored with the Kansas City Chiefs. I grew up in Kansas City, and I just liked sports, I guess, from, from a, a little guy. And I thought, man, that my identity one day would be uh, playing for the NFL. And then I landed in my junior high football team and realized I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest, and uh, probably wasn't going to get there. But I still liked sports, and I started noticing these older uh, high schooler guys had these letter jackets on, and they had a big letter, and they were varsity athletes. And I said, wow, I'd like to be one of those. I, and I started aspiring to being one of those football players that had run out on Friday nights and, and be a part of the, the team that would compete out there. And I worked really hard, and one day I achieved my Grandview Bulldog letter right here. A varsity, and I went and my parents paid for that expensive jacket, that golden blue jacket, and man, was I somebody. Wearing that G right there, big shot Jim, right? 
I thought I was all that. Then, then I got into college, and I realized you know, the letter jacket and the letter didn't really matter too much, right? Nobody really cared. Uh, what people cared about is what your career was going to be, and what are you pursuing, and how many degrees are you going to get, and you're going to make a lot of money and make a big difference, and so I'm scrambling. Oh, my goodness, what, what, what is my career and, and, and outlook like, and, and people might notice me, my image, right? And also at the same time, People are starting to have these relationships and, and getting engaged and marry, married, and, and that looked exciting. And are you married? Are you not married? And, and I better get with it, right? I, I better try to pursue someone or have someone be attracted to me. So I had to don kind of the cool stuff, and I started to identify as Mr. Cool, right? And maybe there were some girls that might be attracted to me. Finally, at least there was one. Hey man, probably that finally she got attracted to me and, and I don't know if I conned her or whatever, she got persuaded and we got married. We've been married for 33 years. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right. But we're all trying to try to aspire to be someone and, and identify somehow. Have you ever been there? Well, this is kind of one of the series that we're going to be talking about subjects we're talking about in there, our, our spring series under the surface really inspired by this, this song in the movie Encanto, where this big sister is confessing, really, disclosing that on the surface, she seems all put together, and she's strong, and everybody looks to her, but secretly, privately, there's under, under the surface, there's some pressures. She's wrestling and carrying these things. She's not sure if she can able to deal with it. And I would suggest to you that, frankly, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, whatever, everyone has some secret weights and burn, burdens under the surface that we are wrestling with. Now, last week, we really was picking on Peter, who really on his surface, he had a lot of guilt because he denied Christ three times. And so what do you do with that? Sure, we can kind of fake people out. We can have a smile on our face and everything looks pleasant. But underneath, we're, we know maybe we offended God and we probably have offended other people. What do we do with that? And we discovered that Christ made a way. That we can be going down the road of guilt, but Christ offers us to turn around and pursue the road of freedom in Christ Jesus. And that means we have to uh, discover the, the exit ramp of, of conviction and confession and then go over the, the bridge of freedom to turn around. And that bridge uh, has a repentance. That's our part. But God's incredible part is forgiveness and grace. And if we keep taking a left, we can get on the on-ramp, onto the road of freedom in Christ Jesus, that under the surface we can be free. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are a child of God, and we keep our eyes fixed on him. Well, is there anything else under the surface that we might be wrestling with? Well, I would suggest to you that a lot of times we are trying to wrestle with who we are. What is our identity? Who are we going to be known for? Maybe where we get our value to? And sometimes this can lead us into a crisis. Uh, the staff and I was talking about this subject and and I said, you know, I think 20 years ago, there used to be this term or, or the subject about a midlife crisis. Maybe there's some movies that were, or were produced for this subject that people, they get to the empty nest and they're in the middle age and they're not sure about their career and their, their looks are changing. And, and who are they? Do they have any worth? And how will people see them? And there's a crisis. And we don't hear that term too much anymore. And, and one of the staff people said, yeah, because 
everyone is in an identity crisis, right? It seems like everyone's trying to find themselves and who they're going to line up with and, and be known for. What, what's my reputation? Well, does anybody in the Bible ever experience this or, or deal with this under-the-surface pressure? Where was this one guy who was very honest, he's very open about his identity and what he was known for, and that is what, who we call the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you go in the Bible and you look at his life, he starts disclosing and being honest about his pilgrimage and his journey. In one place in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, he's trying to uh, write and exhort or teach, uh, inspire these Christian people about really what is valuable, what, what really counts. And he starts talking about what he thought really counted and, and how much effort and, and pursuit he had in his identity. And so in chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, starting in verse 5, he kind of gives his resume on how, what his identity was and what was so important to him. And this is how he spoke about his, his, his life. Well, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of heaven and the member of the tribe of Benjamin a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Now, Hebrew is another name for uh, a Jewish uh, person. Um, he was so excited that his identity was part of the Jewish race. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, uh, there was civilization, but God said, if I could just raise up one uh, nation, one race uh, from Abraham that would reflect me, and, and he saw the Jewish people as a chosen people. He, he still has a heart for the Jewish people, and so uh, that was his bloodline, Paul's bloodline. And then in, this, in the Jewish race, there was uh, some children out of Abraham and Jacob, and he had 12 children. And eventually they'd become the 12 tribes. And one of the tribes was Benjamin. And, and Benjamin tribe, uh, they were known for being brave. They was the one that out, kind of out front. And so here is Paul saying, man, my bloodline goes back to Benjamin, right? And man, I, I, I was doing everything just right, man. They got me uh, dedicated and circumcised. And man, if was ever the Jew, it's me, man. Look at me. And I was a member of the Pharisees. Oh, we, we were this special sect of Jewish people. We, we knew the law and we followed the law and the traditions, man, who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. In other words, he hated Christians. Uh, they threatened this Jewish uh, tradition. And so he, he went after them. And as for righteousness, oh man, look at me. I obey the law without fault. Now, if this was a military officer, uh, Paul would kind of like walk in the room and his chest would be full of medals and brass. And, and people would step back and have high respect for him. Uh, look, the big shot has just walked into the room. He follows all the law. He's super religious and, and he's identifying with his Jewish heritage. It was his identity. But his identity, he's disclosing, was all wrapped around his status. It was all wrapped around his achievements and his pedigree in his life. Now, I want to submit to you today that there are two ways that in, in, in our world today that people pursue their identity. And the first one is an exterior accomplishments. 
And Paul is a great case study of this, right? Look at all this exterior accomplishment, who I am, who's, who I identify with and, and uh, follow, right? This pharmaceutical uh, type of, of people. Now, I want to say that uh, achieving a, accomplishments, like for me, this, this was an accomplishment to get my athletic letter or a degree in college, et cetera, or a career. These are not bad in themselves. In fact, uh, I think uh, God wants us to improve. I think God wants us to achieve, not just be lazy and uh, no, not proactive, but to improve. But when our, our achievements or our titles uh, start um, overshadowing what was best in our life, then it becomes uh, a little dark. In fact, a lot of times achievements can lie to us, and the, the shadow side of it is it becomes our new identity. Well, I'm the president of this company, and I got voted to be here, and these are my titles, and these are my achievements, and these are my degrees, and look at me. And they become our identity instead of Christ. Now, we see this a lot of times. It's just very easy to, to give into these exterior uh, identities and postures, especially if we have financial success. You know, what's the car I'm driving? What's my house look like? What is my uh, title? Before we know it, we're also uh, bleeds over into our relationships, if I'm married or not married, or, or what my spouse does. What about my appearance, my looks? For young people, it can be athletics. It can be grades. It can be the crowds. Oh, you're in the in crowd. I see that. That's kind of your identity. Oh, how about that? Well, now, all this can, can make us feel kind of um, secure, and there can be some, some foundations there, but none of them are really permanent. We're putting our hope and our identity in some things that can be very fragile. All it takes maybe is, is a, a company that's bought out or an economical shift, and before we know it, we're, we're losing that title. We're, we're losing that maybe that income. Or someone else gets promoted above us, and, and where's our ego? Where, where's our status? But, well, maybe we're, we're not part of that crowd anymore. Maybe said somebody posted something online and, and, and kind of damaged our reputation. Before we know it, we're canceled. We're not invited anymore. Sometimes our, our status or our appearance, right? As we get older, we're not as pretty or athletic, and maybe we're limited in some way. So, so what is our identity now? What, what does people notice us for? We're scrambling for this worth. We're scrambling for this identity all on this exterior that can be in place in one day and the next day it could be crumbling. It could be shifting or even canceled. And so Paul is, is noticing this in his background that he was putting all his identity and his worth in his pedigree, in his image, in his reputation. But Paul had a spiritual encounter with the living God. If you go to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 9, you'll see this encounter that God comes after him, knocks him off his horse, and really confronts him and says, what are you doing? And before you know it, he starts drastically changing. He has a new birth, he has a new discovery, and he would be forever changed. In fact, if you do a little bit of history on Paul, you'll notice that his name used to be Saul right? Saul, kind of the rough, persecuted, driven guy. But now he's changed his name to Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he would become the, the first missionary, really, that would take the gospel outside the Jewish nation into the other races and, and nations. See, Saul started seeing himself differently than what he was raised or what his culture was pushing into him. His identity was in Christ now, 
not in his pedigree or his achievements or how righteous he could be in his own strength. Instead of uh, chasing identity, he realized that Christ was chasing him. Christ so loved him. And no matter how many achievements he was or what race he was or how many laws he, he kept or didn't keep, God deeply loved him and valued him. And Paul started discovering, he's, he's writing this to these Philippian people. He said, it, it doesn't matter how hard we work or achievements, God's going to love me anyway. And he went all the, all the way for the cross for people that had a lot of achievements and no achievements, that, that were uh, older or younger or, or fat, slow, rich, poor, it it's, doesn't matter. Christ is there. And so he starts realizing his value, that his love and confidence come from Christ, not his achievements or, or if he did this or that in his traditions, that nothing could separate him from the love of Christ, that he was now a, a child of Christ. His dad was Abba, Father, Right? In fact, through all this process and changing, he realized that his new identity is coming back to the original identity. That the reason he was born and all humans were born, that we were born in God's image. And what difference makes it from the animals to humans is that we have a spirit. And God wants us to wake up that our original identity and value is that we can reflect him and honor him and live like him, that, that we bless the rest of, of society around us. And so Paul is now captured by this, and he's sharing this story. And so he continues to share in chapter 3 of Philippians when he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's, he's thinking about the cross. He's, he's thinking about how God was willing to, to save him and come after him, even though he was a creep and a total jerk. God so loved him. Yes, everything else is worthless when I compare with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. He's fallen in love with Jesus. He's realized his identity is in, in Jesus. He goes on. For his sake, I discarded everything else. All, all these achievements, his uniform, his prestige, right? counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. His righteousness would come from what Christ would do on the cross. So Paul now is discovering the key component to true identity, that our identity is not found in what we do, but whose you are, not in what we achieve or what is on our chest or what is on our resume, but whose we are. Now, this kind of helps us even when we are trying to find out our vocation. I remember um, hanging out at this Christian college, and uh, uh, you know, during those times, coming out of high school, you're kind of really stressed out about what your, your, your vocation is going to be, what is your career. Sometimes it's in the trades, right? And, and maybe I'm really good with my hands, a mechanic, maybe a carpenter, uh, so I go to college, maybe I, I need to be a teacher. And, and I remember we, we as Christians, we were just like stressing out and praying, God, please tell me what my vocation would be. My professors are like, hey, you got to pick a degree. Maybe it's going to be nursing. Maybe it's going to be journalism. Maybe it's going to be accounting. Oh, God, please help us find that. I don't want to screw this up, right? And one day we were in this church service, and the, the preacher speaker guy was telling us, it's young people. You can kind of relax about just waiting for God to just unload on you that your right vocation. 
He says, well, really what God is seeking and wanting is your heart mostly, okay? He's not super interested in if you're going to be an accountant or a nurse or teacher or whatever, okay? He really wants you to to live for him and to uh, live like him. Most of all, seek him first and his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. And in fact, God's probably implanted on you some talents and desires that you really have a desire to, to maybe work with your hands or, or maybe you really have a desire for uh, medical things and the brain power and the technical things. Well, just, just go with that. Just be sure you kind of filter that with God and say, God, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going and let me know if you don't like it. But you can stand down because your identity and the stress is not so much on your vocation, but just to be one with Christ and live for him. Well, this was good news for somebody like me, actually, and many others. Because identity is not always what we do or, or even our vocation, but whose we are. Now, the second pressure I want to suggest to you that comes uh, through our society is, is that the pressure that we find our, our identity in ourselves that is, that is inward. Now, this is very popular. This is very trendy today. Uh, that, you know, you just need to look within and there's going to be some kind of feeling, inclination, orientation somewhere that this is going to be your identity and to pursue that. It's very easy to just say, hey, man, whatever feels good, if it feels good, it can't be wrong if it feels good, right? You just do you and don't worry about anything else because your identity just needs to be organic. It just needs to be natural from within. Now, this is nothing new. In fact, this, this subject of finding your identity from within or whatever your flesh or whatever the latest urges are is very common. In fact, back in the, the Bible days, uh, people were grappling with it also. In fact, there's a, a passage in Colossians where Paul is writing about this because there's these new Christians in the town of uh, Colossi that are trying to pursue Christ. Well, he's getting word that now they're kind of being seduced by the, the newest uh, fad and philosophies that we need to just chuck the, the Jesus thing and the Christianity thing and just go with our nature. Just go with what, whatever the, everybody else is doing, whatever feels good to you. You just kind of give into that and, and do this thing. And, and they're kind of uh, compromising and backing off. So he writes this letter. He's never met these people, but he's writing this letter in chapter 3. He kind of uh, is confronting this and reminding them. And he he starts off by by saying, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, don't give up your your found new identity in Christ, your pursuit of Christ. Set your hearts and your mind, not on internally, but on eternally, where divinely Christ is much bigger and transcendent Follow him. And then he gets uh, more uh, uh, personal when he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, this phrase right here, earthly nature. uh, This is what I'm talking about where people are trying to find identity because we all have earthly urges, uh, natural desires, uh, inclinations, if you will, orientations, right? And, And a lot of times this is what steers us for who we're going to be where we get our value, and, and our, especially our identity. He, he, he's, he talks about sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Uh, very common when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to our gender. Uh, in fact, the NIV 
uh, is, is kind of uh, mild when he uses the term sexual immorality. If you go to the original King James, they'll use an old-fashioned word called fornication. This has to do with uh, sex outside of a holy matrimony, right? Uh, this is all kind of uh, a lower form of, of love. And he's like, man, b- b- get rid of that. Uh, put it to death. Man, there's, there's this lust, there's this impurity, right? Evil, evil desires. But a lot of people are like, hey, that's who I am. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just coming out of the closet and just embracing my natural instincts, my natural orientation. Sometimes it's homosexual, sometimes it's heterosexual, right? Because, you know, I, I, I want to maybe be a player. And I understand that, that uh, you know, I have these urges and you might have these urges and let's just get to, together. Of course, maybe you've heard that, uh, that app. Uh, app called Tinder, right? You're just swiping people and you're just kind of connecting uh, temporarily, right? This all goes back to what Paul's talking about. Hey, you could be that person. You could be that Tinder person. You could be that player, that swinger out there, right? But is that what Christ is best for in our life? He talks about uh, greed, right? To say, hey, I, man, I got desire. Uh, I have a real inclination to uh, be rich. And so I'm just going to uh, gobble up all I can financially, step on people, step over people, because that's just who I am. I like money. I want to be rich, right? Uh, next thing you know, that it just kind of bleeds over into a lot of different relationship issues. The, the hottest, most uh, uh, delicate issue out there in our t- day and today is the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, people are putting a lot of weight into their sexual orientation, their gender, or they're trans, or they're not sure, and, and we're all over the place. And this harkens back to what Paul's talking about, that a lot of times we are trying to find identity from our internal, earthly, fleshly natures or inclinations. And so where, where does this take us? Of course, is the church is probably one of the hottest topics today. Do, do you love or hate and, and, and this kind of uh, kind of deal? But but it's bigger than that. That it's really about uh, identity. And Christ is offering something that's not just fly by night or temporary, or just by a natural urge. We all have different urges. So so we just do we just give in to whatever inclination or feeling that we have this week or next year. This subject about um, you know the whole LGBTQ community, especially in the younger uh, uh, younger people, it, it's very heightened. And and so I've been kind of being a connoisseur of this and taking notes and learning for myself. It's a very um, complex uh, um, dynamic and issue. And and one book that really uh, uh, intrigued me was a book by Jackie Hill called "Gay Girl, Good God." And in her book, she confesses that she, she didn't have a lot of feminine traits and she's more of a masculine female. And before she knew it, she's like, well, I'm probably homosexual. And so she, she gives into the, the lesbian lifestyle and, and goes through that as a, as a young person. But down deep underneath the surface, she, she's, she's really wrestling with, she's like, you know, this, this is not all it's all cracked up to be. I thought I'd find my identity. I'd find all this happiness and joy and satisfaction if I just came out and followed my natural urges or my inclination, but it's not there. I've, I'm still haven't found joy. In fact, she confesses she's got some guilt, right? She, she knows it's probably not what God, her grandmother was kind of speaking into her life. And, and so she's wrestling this. And finally, she, she just comes to a point that she just breaks. She says, God, I, I'm a mess. I'm just a hot mess, man. I, I'm, I got these orientations, these same-sex attractions, but I know it's probably not the right. And she just tries God. She just, she just gives herself to Christ 
And Christ starts transforming her, right? And she realized that she might have same-sex attractions, but God still loves her and God's redeeming her. And she starts realizing her true identity is not in her orientation. It's not in her gender. In fact, in her book, she says, you know, it's not really if I'm married or not, right? We, we give status to that. But really what, what, what matters is my identity in Christ Jesus. And when she's asked about, yeah, but what if you have these urges? What if you have these temptations that are natural, right? She says this. She says, your identity is not how you feel. If that's the case, then all our temptations will define us. Like I said, well, I have this temptation, I have that temptation, and before we know it, it's always changing, and it's not very secure, it's not very uh, certain and predictable. In fact, Hill advocates that many are chasing a lower form of identity. They're chasing a lower form of love. And this is what Paul is, is preaching. Hey, be careful that you're being seduced by what feels natural, and you've been told that that must be right or good if it's internal and earthly or organic. But really, it's going to lead you down to a road of dissatisfaction. And God is offering us a higher level of identity, a love, a, 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 an identity that's greater, that's transcendent than feelings or occupations or achievements. In fact, your identity is not found in what you do or how you feel, but whose you are. See, God so loved us that he wanted to give us that identity. He went to the cross that we could realize that we don't have to chase achievements. We don't always have to give in to the next temptation or what the culture says or our friends are doing and all over the place to fit in or get canceled or not get in. That there is a central loving God that not only died on the cross for us, that he so loved us, that he raised from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, come to me. I will give you love. I will give you security. I will give you worth. And your identity can be placed in me. Do we have doubts? Yes. Are there times where we have gaps and say, God, you love me, but I don't feel like you're always embracing me and love you. But through the time, we'll find him faithful. That, that he loves us. And we start finding our worth and our identity in, in, in Christ, no matter what we're doing or not doing. For a lot of times when we get older and we're not as capable as we used to be and maybe we're not invited to the decision table, do we still have worth? Maybe for some of our shut-ins as you're watching today, right? And you're like, well, I can't even show up to church. I can't hardly walk. Does God still love me? Well, our worth is not if you can do a whole bunch of service for God. Your worth is not in, in, in your prestige or your titles, but just that Christ as a human being loves you totally. He loves you. And that's what Paul is trying to preach here and communicate. He continues on in Colossians 3, 10. He says, and have put on new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So there is some proactivity here that we have to put on. And God wants us to renew in what? The knowledge of the creator. Because the, know you, the more you know, the more you grow. And when you start reading the Bible and you start looking at the promises and how many times he tells us how much he loves us and the Holy Spirit is with us and that we are his children and that he is our shepherd, right? The more secure and whole that we become and the renewing of your knowledge that has to be put on. Um, I appreciate what Lisa Burgess said. We are renewed because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are. If we just lean into this father this gracious Father, who, who, where our love can come from, not from our friends, not from our vocation, our titles, our prestige, but who we, are. we can be renewed 
Jesus knows this. Paul knows this. In fact, there's a bonus that all a society needs to hear when he says in verse 11, here there is no Gentile nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised or barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Today, we, we live in a, a very divided world. Everyone is kind of divided up about what is your race, what is your gender. You better speak that. You better identify with, with that. And we're all nervous, and, and we're going to step on someone, say something, right? And, and, and here, Paul says, here, in this family of God, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not. And back then, if you were circumcised or not, it was a, it was a big deal. He talks about these Greeks and barbarians and, and, and Scythians were a lower class of Greeks. Even back then, they had slaves. Oh, man, what, what a loser you are. You're a slave. I'm free, right? Or I'm rich. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we are all one. God is not worried about your social economics. God is not worried about if you look great or you don't look great or if you got money or no money. He leaves the light on. This is the family of God. This is the blessing of the church of, of Jesus Christ, that we can be accepted or we should be accepted no matter whatever our status is. If, if we drive into in the, in the church with a, uh, the, a dumpy type of car or a really nice car, in God's mind, we're all human beings and he loved us and we should treat each other the same. That's why a lot of times the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King really resonates with Christians. Back in the late 60s, Dr. King says, hey, here's my dream for America, that, we, we, that uh, you know, black people would not be um, judged by the color of their skin, but the, the, by the content of their character. This lines up with Paul saying, yes, it's about our heart. It's about the values, not our race, not our gender or where we identify to, but it's in Christ's love that makes us secure. Therefore, he goes on, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, don't miss that, he's reinforcing our, their identity and our identity. God so loved us. We, we don't have to chase all, 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 all the letters. We don't have to chase all the prestige, right? We can be holy for him, and we are dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion. Now, the word clothes means you got to put it on, okay? You, you know, every morning you hopefully put on some, some clothes, right? You got to put on. This is not always, this is proactive. I, I ran into uh, a new Christian um, a couple of weeks ago, and she was sharing that, that she's trying to live the life. Her identity is of being Christ, but she's got some friends and family members from the past that struggle with that. And so they're always like, hey, let's go do what we used to do. This is where we were identified with. We were the type of these people. This is what we participated in. And she's had to avoid them. She's had to kind of say, no, I, I don't do that. And they're like, what's wrong with you, man? Uh, why don't you do that? And she's trying to close herself on her, who she is in Christ Jesus. She's more free than she's ever been. Her sins have been forgiven, but it, it, it is a practice to put on the things of God. Here he lists some things. Hey, be people of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now this is this is harder one right here. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you have grievance against someone, okay, we got conflict even in the church, even in our own families, right? Can I get an amen, right? This is what God wants us to do. Forgive as the Lord forgave. That's not always easy, okay? But man, if you can pull this off with God's help, this is how we're going to be known. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
you know, what if we became the people of love? Uh, it didn't matter what denomination or, or who your family was or what your income is. Man, th- that, that person, the person of love. That, that church is full of people that identify with Christ's love. They're like Christ. They pursue Christ. And, and, and it's manifested in, in acts of love. And their attitude is about love, not prestigious or holier than thou. This is what Paul is, is pursuing them. Would people see us as a person of love? Um, sometimes it's not that easy, right? We, we get impatient. We're not focusing a lot of times. And, and, and we, we're not people of love. But that's what Christ wants us to give us and, and offers us an identity of love. That people would say, hey, I, I know you're, there's something different. In fact, I, I ran into somebody like this a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of a strange story. Um, but I went to my local gym. I needed to burn off some calories. And some of you know that one of my little hobbies is to play basketball. I, I know I'm an old, bald guy, right? You know. But I went in the gym by myself, and I'm, I'm playing. I'm shooting shots, right? Uh, shooting shots. And there's this other young man. He's on the other side. He's shooting shots. He's in his 20s. He's got some skills, right? And um, I've kind of done this most of my life. I was like, well, I just don't want to shoot shots by myself. So I go, and I ask this young man, hey, do you want to play an old guy on one-on-one, okay? And the kid's like, ah, yeah. I'm like, great, let, let's go for it. This guy's going to kill me, right? But at least I'm going to sweat and burn some calories. And, uh, and so we, we got going, right? And uh, it's going to make it, take it, and all this kind of stuff. And frankly, I got a little hot, man. I just started chucking some threes, and they were going in. And uh, this guy's just getting a little surprised. And I'm like, hey, man, let's just don't worry about it. I'll be slowing down a little bit. So we went through a couple of, of uh, games, and kind of getting to know each other. And I just felt, man, this, this kid is not your average 20-year-old. He just comes off a little bit different. He's highly respectful for me. to me. I, I notice his language is, is different. His demeanor is different. And so I'm, I'm checking the ball to him. And we're going to play our third game, right? And I just ask him out of the blue. I said, hey, you wouldn't, uh, you, I didn't even know his name. I said, you wouldn't happen to be a Jesus follower, would you? And the kid says, uh, yeah, yeah, I try to be, he said. I was like, you know, I knew I, that was something. I introduced myself. And I was like, I could just tell uh, you were a little bit different. You, you try to follow Christ. He's, yeah, I try. I said, well, we're all, we're, a lot of us are trying to. And he, he had an earbud in his, in his ear. And he says, yeah, before he was playing, I was listening to Romans, uh, the Bible, in my ear. I was like, wow, that's like, like so awesome, right? I said, man, I'm an old guy. I know this. And, uh, but uh, but, uh, but I, I really appreciate that. And I, I, said, I could just tell by you didn't have an ego. You're just not trying to be all that bad. You're really respectful for me and kind. You must be pursuing Christ. And he says, yes, I try my best to pursue Christ. Well, nice to meet you. Exchange names. And I was like, that's what that, his identity wasn't if he was going to kill the old guy, right? It wasn't how bad he could just, as my son says, break ankles, right? And be all that NBA dude and stuff. He was just being kind and a person of love. And I identified him and picked him out. If that's what Christ is asking us, this is what Paul is preaching about, that our identity doesn't have to necessarily come in all of our achievements. It doesn't have to necessarily come from our feelings, Right? But we can, our identity can be who we are in Christ Jesus. So my friends, I want to encourage you this week to pursue Christ, to embrace your original identity, 
The reason that he, you, gave, you were birthed in the first place is to be like Christ and to love like Christ and to bless people around you. So can we do that this week and find a new identity in Christ Jesus? Why don't we stand and we'll pray together. Father, I'm so thankful that you offer a life that is not always dependent if I'm accepted by my peers or how many uh, letters I have behind my name or how much achievement. I'm so thankful, God, that, that I'm accepted by you and that I can identify with your love. Uh, thank you, God, that um, you are there for us. Help us not to always give in to this internal pool of our nature of just giving in to, to whatever we are orientated or attracted to or feel like today, but to pursue something higher and greater that, that overreaches all our, our unpredictable and inconsistent feelings and urges, that you are predictable, you are our God, you can be our Christ, that gives us our worth, gives us our identity. We pray that we would lean into that, embrace that, God, pursue that to put on love, Christ-like love. We ask all this in the power of your name and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Now, before we go, I want to invite you back to next Sunday. Next Sunday, believe it or not, is Mother's Day. Okay, It is going to be May. It is May. And uh, we want to invite you a friend. We're going to be talking about the, the pressure of expectations. All right. Uh, mothers can identify with that. God bless. Uh, stay warm and you're dismissed.